Hi, I'm Pam and welcome to S Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website schurch.co.za or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi and we'll connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel. Enjoy listening to the sermon today. Incredible. Thank you so much, Pam. Well, good morning, church. It is so exciting to be with you this morning. And, and maybe you don't know me. Maybe I'm not a familiar face. My name is Justin, and I get to serve on our team here. I get to serve on our Elevate team. Thank you for giving us a little mention, Daniel. I just want to tell you, Friday was incredible. We were speaking about the Rebuild series. We had six new volunteers. Six people take the break that was in their hand to come and serve at Elevate with our youth on a Friday. And it was incredible. Absolutely incredible, but as we, as we know, we started this new series on Easter Sunday, very different, I know, starting a series on Easter Sunday, but we started this new series called 50 Days, 50 Days That Changed the World and That Could Change You Too. You see, we know that we celebrate, well, in, in the Catholic and Anglican churches, they celebrate Ascension Day. Ascension Day is actually 40 days after the Resurrection Sunday. So 40 days after Jesus spends time with his disciples, then he ascends into heaven, but there's a a period of 10 days before the Holy Spirit comes where the disciples journey and figure out what is happening. So it's 50 days. So someone came to ask us, well, aren't you sure it's supposed to be called 40 days? Well, no, because we're not celebrating ascension. We're celebrating 50 days at Pentecost, which will happen on Sunday, the 5th of June. So I want to encourage you. We're going to be on this journey looking at the deliberate steps that God took or that Jesus took as he spent 40 intentional days with his disciples. And then how in those 10 days before the Holy Spirit came, how they had had to come to terms with what was to be their future. So stay with us on the journey. It is going to be significant. We keep singing what he's done and we keep hearing stories of all that God has done and it's incredible. I'm stirred to to share God's word this morning and last week Pastor Daniel really did kick off the series by speaking about believe again. Believe again because believe again means that we have the opportunity to, to see what the resurrection actually meant. To believe again in the power of the resurrection. To believe in the power of Jesus that, that he is the resurrection and the life. That it is only Jesus. And in John 11 verse 25, it says this, Jesus told her, speaking to a woman, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Kelly spoke on Friday about I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I love that. Even after dying. And because of what Jesus did, we can believe again. Because of the resurrection, because of the life, we can believe again. But now after celebrating all that Easter meant and eating lamb, hopefully, and and eating all those Easter eggs and not getting onto the scale on Monday morning, after all of those things, we see how Jesus actually spent time with his disciples after the resurrection. That's where we find ourselves now. You see, the resurrection happened on Easter Sunday, but, but after the resurrection, we see how Jesus intentionally spent time with his disciples. And very little is actually written about this period after his resurrection. All the gospels pick it up in one or two verses, but actually the gospel of Luke spends a whole chapter, chapter 24, about looking at exactly what happened in those 40 days. You see, it was 40 days that, that not many of us potentially know about. It's 40 days that, that none of us actually perhaps would have uncovered what that looked like. And I actually don't blame you. Like I said, very little is written, but we do know that it was intentional. We do know that Jesus was preparing the disciples, that Jesus was preparing us 
for life after him. You see, he had spent those 40 days with the disciples, but the whole time he was saying to them, but don't worry, for I'm about to send you the helper. I'm about to send you the Holy Spirit, the paraclete that we learned about in Holy Week. He's going to send him to us. You see, God promised that the Holy Spirit would come. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, and now we are living in that space, the space where the Holy Spirit has come. And I love the heart of our series. You see some very clever people in our church, they captioned it this way, 50 days that changed the world, because it really did. But that could also change you. You see, it wasn't just what happened for them, it's for us. It wasn't just what happened back then, it's for right now. And we're gonna go on this incredible journey. So I wanna invite you, stay with us. Join the journey with us as we uncover all that God is wanting to do in us, because that's the power of the resurrection in us, but also what He wants to do through us as we step out into the world, as we go and be His hands and feet in the world around us. And today, we really begin to unpack this journey. Today, we begin to look at what exactly this journey looked like. You see, last week at Easter Sunday, we celebrated the empty tomb. We celebrated the fact that Jesus had already risen, but, but actually for the disciples, they weren't celebrating. You see, they didn't know. They didn't know what the empty tomb meant. In fact, for them, they were found afraid because they had thought that someone had come to steal Jesus' body. They had no idea, but we know the whole picture. We know Easter because we know the end of the story. So we can celebrate, but actually the disciples, they didn't. They had no idea. You see, they were so afraid that, that many of them were considering going back to their life as it was before. This isn't the Messiah that I had hoped for. This isn't the God that was supposed to come and save us. This isn't the king that we had thought would topple Rome. This isn't what I believed you were supposed to do, Jesus. This isn't what we had prayed for. For so long, for all those years, the Israelites were praying for a savior. But now, you died, God. You were hung on that cross. And now we don't even know where your body is. I can imagine that those disciples were, were feeling somewhat disillusioned about what was happening so confused about, about what was actually taking place. And if I'm honest, if I reflect for myself, too often I find myself feeling the exact same way. If I think back over the course of, of my very long 31 years of life, if I think back at life, and, and for some of us it's potentially very long, a lot longer, if I think back at life, I can think of many, many times, too many times, where I prayed, where I trusted God, where I expected God to answer the prayer the way I wanted Him to, where I'd waited for long enough because this is how you need to answer. You need to answer now. Now the time is right, God. And, and I'm so glad that in those moments, God reminded me that he's a good God. I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer where, where you've prayed and, and God answered in, some, in a way that was completely different. And in the moment, we must have been feeling frustrated or hurt or disappointed, just like those disciples. But then with a little bit of time, with a little bit of life behind us, we, we look back. They say hindsight is the best teacher, we look back and, oh God, you are so good. Oh God, you are so clever. I'm so glad you didn't give me what I prayed for. I'm so glad you didn't answer my prayer when I expected you to answer. I'm so glad that you know more than I could, that you'd see things that I wouldn't ever be able to see because he's a good God. But I can just imagine those disciples in that moment, hearing the account of, of how Jesus' body wasn't in the tomb, like I said, we can celebrate that, but they were definitely not ready to be celebrating. 
Maybe for some of us here today, maybe that's where we find ourselves right now. You see, last week we, we spent some time, we spent a whole week praying and fasting. And maybe last week as you spent time and, and praying and fasting, maybe for you last week was that moment where you said, God, this is your last chance. I've tried this God thing for long enough. I've trusted you, I've prayed, I've believed that you could answer. Surely now, surely this way. And yet, we still wait. Still waiting for the doctor's report. Still waiting for, for my husband or my wife or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my son or my daughter or, or for them to turn around and say sorry. Sorry for how they hurt you. Or to ask for forgiveness for the things that they have done. Or I'm still waiting for, for this addiction that I thought I was over to really go away. Or I'm still waiting, God, I, I put you first in my finances. God, I did everything that you asked me to do. I'm tithing faithfully. God, I'm saving a little bit. I'm spending the rest, but it still just doesn't make sense. What more do you want me to do? And I know for me, sometimes I would almost disqualify myself from seeing God's goodness because I feel the way that I feel. But church, this morning, I wanted to encourage us with this truth that we actually feel just like the disciples did. That in that very moment, we can actually identify with the way that they were feeling. And today, Maybe it's okay to feel that way. Maybe it's okay to sit the way you're sitting, to hold the things that you are holding. It doesn't disqualify us. It doesn't stop God from loving us. It doesn't change God's goodness. But I also know that God's word is true. And I also know that God's word says that he's faithful to finish what he started. I also know that God is a good God that wants to bless his children. And so because of those very real truths, we know that God doesn't want us to live the same way that we were living. And in fact, he wants us to live in a way that, that is free, that is light, the opposite of sometimes what we think is the only way that we can live. And now we get to the story that, that is happening, and we're going to read it in Luke 24, where, where we get to the story where Jesus um, appears to the disciples. You see, on, on Easter Sunday, um, Mary and, and another woman, they go to the tomb, and they hear a report. His body's not here. He's gone. The angel appears to them. He says, no, surely he is risen. They run back and they tell the rest of the disciples. And then we pick up a story of two other disciples that are, are walking away. They're walking away from Jerusalem. And then the story goes on a little bit further where we see Jesus actually appear to them. And then he appears to the rest of the group in Jerusalem. And this morning, I want to invite us I want to invite us to come into the text that we're about to read with the feelings that we are feeling, with the uncertainty, with the doubt, with the confusion, with whatever it is that we are holding. Remember, those disciples were also feeling the exact same way. I want us to invite ourselves into the story to see how in the story, how God comes to us. We're going to read quite a bit from, from Luke 24 and we're going to skip all over, but I want to encourage you this week, go and read that account of Luke 24. It's really going to set us up for the rest of 50 days and all that it means to us. Luke 24 verse 13 says the following, that same day, two of Jesus' disciples, that same day being Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday that we celebrated last week, that wasn't a good day for the disciples, but that same day, two of the disciples of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that, they had, that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly became 
suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk? What are you discussing? Isn't that what we do? We discuss. We discuss with everyone else, but we don't actually discuss with God. What are you discussing so intently as you're walking along? And then they said, they stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Can we identify? Perhaps many of us are sitting with sadness written across our faces. Or actually, maybe, maybe many of us are actually really good at hiding our face and, and sadness is written across our heart. Just buried so deep. One of them, Cleopas, he replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Everything that had happened to Jesus. And again, I love, I love Jesus. I love his wit. I love his humor. He goes, what things? As if he doesn't know. I mean, this is Jesus, the one that they were actually worried about, the one that was supposed to be in the tomb, the one that was actually on the cross. He's going, what things? But isn't that just the very nature of God? God invites us to tell him exactly what we are looking at. God invites us to come to him and say, Jesus, this is it. We don't need pretty words. We don't need fancy statements. All we need is to just come to God and say, God, this is it. So they began to do that. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, I can imagine him just chuckling behind his beard or something. He's <laughs> like, okay, cool, that's me you're talking about. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. Can you hear that tone? We had hoped. Isn't it tinged with disappointment? Doesn't it scream like hurt and, and confusion and doubt? We had hoped. We had hoped the Messiah, he was the Messiah who came to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some followers, look how it begins to change now. Then some, some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. I just wanna pause there. How often, and I'm speaking for myself personally, how often do we hear amazing reports but still doubt? How often do we hear of the incredible things that God has done, but no, nah, not for me. Maybe for them, but not for me. It's okay to feel that way this morning. They said his body was missing there, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. And this is, the, this is the response of the rest of the disciples. They don't believe the woman, so they run out to go see for themselves. Isn't that what we need to do? No, no, unless I see it in my life, unless I see God move in my life, then it can't possibly be real just as the woman had said. So as we continue the journey of 50 days, remember 42 ascension, 10 without him as they wait for the Holy Spirit, 50 days. The title of my message this morning is the power of the resurrection in our daily lives. The power of the resurrection in our daily lives. Lots of words, but it's true. The power of the resurrection in the daily lives. God, I thank you that as we come and hear your word, that Jesus, you would speak, that you would remind us of the power of your resurrection that impacts us year to day. God, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to look at those two disciples. I want to look specifically at them because I identify so much with myself. You see, here are these two disciples. They were actually walking away from Jerusalem, walking away, not just going home. We have to make this distinction. They weren't just going home for the night. They were walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from what they thought was going to be their future, walking away from this Jesus life that for some time they had been living, walking away from the hope and the future that Jesus had promised them, walking away from an eternity that looked so different to what they knew, walking back to security, walking back to comfort, 
walking back to what was before. How often do we do the same thing? We try so long and, and we, we live this certain way and, and the minute things begin to get difficult, we go back. I do 40 days of, of reading my Bible every single day, but one day I wake up and I go back. I trusted God for so long, but he's not answering, so I'm gonna go back. So often I see myself doing that. You see, this was them going back to their security. This was them going back to their comfort zone. This was them walking away from that John 10, 10 abundant life that God promises us. This was going back to what their lives used to look like. Now, I can only imagine that they, they must have been feeling so hurt in that moment, so disappointed, so dejected. That's certainly how I would feel if I'm being honest this morning. But you see, the whole Easter story is the story of the opposite of that reality. You see, the whole Easter story, for them, they thought it was the end, but we know that the start of the Easter story was the beginning of our story. Keegan shared about the cross, how the cross seemed like the end, how the cross seemed like it was over, how this Jesus thing was now no longer a thing that we could aspire to, but actually it was the beginning. And Pastor Daniel shared this very truth with us. The resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between the life you are living, the mundane the ordinary, the normal, the safe, the secure life that we are currently living and the one that you could live. The John 10, 10 life that God has in store for us, that abundant life. Psalm 23, not Psalm 23, Psalm 27, the future that is hope, filled with hope and a living future that is bright. That's the life that God's called us to live. But the disciples in that moment, they didn't understand this. All they could see was their pain. All they could see was the confusion, but but we see the end of the story. We know how this was supposed to be the beginning, but how often do we find ourselves still feeling the same way like those disciples did? Confused, hurt, what now, God? I thought this was going to be different. This morning, my prayer is that we would see this truth again, but not only see it, but experience it, but not only experience it, but fully understand it for ourselves, that the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection that happened on Easter Sunday over 2,000 years ago, that resurrection gives us the power to close the gap between this life that we currently live and the one that God is calling us to. You see, it's this truth, it's this reality that God calls us to live more. Not just Easter that was an event, a once-off that happened 2,000 years ago, that Jesus died on the cross and was risen 2,000 years ago and that was the end of the story, but know that we would experience the power of the resurrection in our daily lives every single day. It wasn't just a once-off event. Actually, it was an invitation to a life of forever, an eternity in heaven. You see, what happened on the cross paved the way for us to know God forever. What happened on the cross was love in action. What happened on the cross means that our future is bright and filled with a living hope. And then the disciples, they didn't understand this, but we have the opportunity this morning to see it again from ourselves. I love what it says in Ephesians 1. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. That resurrection power I've been speaking about, that Easter Sunday power that rose Jesus from the dead, that power, that same power is the power that this verse is speaking about here. That same power is the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand. That same power gives us the resurrection power in 
our daily lives. And then these key three, three key things, words, three key things that I, I was sort of torn between and wrestled with and convicted by God when he said, but how do you experience it every day? These three things. One, the power of the resurrection gives us his presence. Number two, the power of the resurrection gives us his peace. And lastly, the power of the resurrection gives us his promise. His, pe- his presence, his peace, and his promise. Let's look at number one, his presence. Luke 24 again, a little bit later in the chapter at verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus, this two that we had read about earlier that were walking away, they told the story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked them. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And he says, look at my hands, these hands that were pierced for you on the cross. Or he says, look at my feet, those very same feet that took me to the cross. Look at them. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because that's what they thought it was. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. Jesus goes one step further a couple of verses later where he says, actually, give me something to eat. I'll prove again that I'm human. Give me something to eat so I can prove to you that I am here. You see, church, this morning, because of the resurrection, because of what happened 2,000 years ago at Resurrection Sunday, because the tomb is empty, we are able to experience the presence of God in our lives today. That his presence, because of what happened then, his presence is with us now. Just as he first appeared to the disciples, to Mary, then to, the, to those on the road, to Emmaus, and then to the group, and then he goes one step further because Thomas, who we call Doubting Thomas, Thomas wasn't actually in the room when he came to them. He actually comes back just for Thomas because many of us can relate to Thomas. We doubt. And Jesus comes again and he says, Thomas, look, put your hands in these holes. He showed him his side, put your finger through you. See that how it really was Pierce, you see, even then, Jesus assures us that his presence is with us. And you might be sitting here and you're going, but Justin, have you seen my marriage? Surely God, surely God can't be here. Otherwise, this would look very different. Or have you seen my finances? Or have you seen the struggle that I'm having with my drug addict child? Or have you seen this? Or have you seen that? Or have you seen how this looks? Or how that looks? And God, again, is reminding us that the power of the resurrection gives us his presence. That even in that, that even in whatever it is that we find ourselves sitting in, God's presence is right there. You see, I find myself going, but God, how could you really? And he says, trust me. The power of the resurrection gives us his presence. And I really believe that many of us need to be reminded of that truth again this morning. That many of us need to be reminded that God wants to sit with us. That we don't have to run to him that we don't have to do more to get to him, that we don't have to clean ourselves up before we can come to a God that loves us, that even right there, in the midst of the worst of the worst, even right there, God's presence is with us. I love what it says in Romans eight thirty eight, where it speaks about how nothing can separate us from the love of God, how nothing we do, nothing we say, no situation we find ourselves in could separate us from the love of God. And because nothing can separate us from the love of God, of God, we know that his presence is always with us because he loves us. You see, love sent Jesus to the cross so that he could be with us. The power of the resurrection gives us his presence, not just then, 
not just then, not just for the disciples, but every single day. Then it also gives us his peace. Verse 36 says, peace be with you, he said. Because of the resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead, you and I are able to experience the power of peace. The power of peace that that would come into our lives despite, again, the very real situations and circumstances we find ourselves in. And not for a minute do I want to minimize what we are facing. We hear story after story, and our heart breaks. So I'm not trying to minimize what we are facing, but I also know that God's word, again, is true. And God's word says that he will give us his peace. Now, peace doesn't mean that we won't have trouble. In fact, because there's trouble, we're actually able to experience his peace. John 16, says, I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Year on earth, again, this is what God says, year on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Do you need to experience peace again this morning? In a world that looks like chaos, in situations that you feel like there's no way that there could be peace in the situation. Do you need to experience peace? You see, the, the, the power of the resurrection means that that peace is for us, that that peace comes to us, that we have opportunity to fully embrace the peace that God wants to give us. But I, I know for me, I'm questioning, but how do I get that peace? In this situation, how do I get peace? And this is the beauty of God is that we don't have to get anything. We just have to experience it. We don't have to do more. We just have to be. We don't have to strive. We just have to sit. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to work. We don't have to put in effort after effort after effort in vain because we know that God comes to us, that he brings peace to us. And and I know for me, and and I wonder if this could be helpful for some of us, but I know for me in moments where, where anxieties flood in my mind, when I just find myself so anxious about what's next, when the situation that, I, that I'm sitting in just doesn't make sense anymore, when feelings of, of, but God, are you even still here? I find myself coming to Psalm 46, verse 10. See, Psalm 46, verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I find it so strange how God would say to be still because isn't my natural response to do more? Isn't my natural response to try fix things? Isn't my natural response to go and do all the things that God is asking us not to do? He says, be still. Be still. And in moments of stillness, I believe then God shows us that he is God. In those moments of stillness, he wants to give us his peace. In moments of stillness, he shows us again that he is with us. And in those moments of stillness, in those moments of peace, in those moments of just being in his presence. He speaks to us like he says in John 3, or 1 John 3, my dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we live in truly, live in in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism. Isn't that what we do? Criticize ourselves so much, it's your fault. You did this, you deserve this. This is why you can't. I find myself saying something like that so often. Even when there's something to it. Even when the situation and the circumstances are very, very real. But this is a comfort to me, and I pray that this would comfort us this morning. For God is greater than our worried hearts. 
for God is greater than our worried hearts. You see, this speaks about peace. Because God loves me so much, he's greater than my worried heart. Because God loves me so much, knowing that I am found in the hand of God means that I can have peace. And this is the truth that I love, is that we just have to accept that love. And as we accept that love and know that that love is so completely for us, so freely given to us that we would know peace. That the God of love wants to give us peace. The power of the resurrection gives us his peace. Gives us his peace. And lastly, it gives us his promise. Verse 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. There's so much wrapped up in this verse. And I pray that we would catch even just a glimpse of it. There's so much wrapped up in this verse, how God wants to give us the Holy Spirit. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to, to fight for it. We don't have to beg him for it. Actually, the promise is, is that he would give it to us, that he will send the Holy Spirit to us. And now again, in the midst of our confusion, in the midst of our doubt, in the midst of our hurt, our disappointment, our fear, even there, just like the disciples were feeling those things, just like we experienced those same things, Jesus gives them again this reassuring promise that he will send the Holy Spirit. You see, he was saying to them, I'm not gonna be around forever. 40 days is only 40 days, but I'll send the Holy Spirit that's for forever. That the Holy Spirit will come. And this is what we are journeying towards over the course of this series that's called 50 Days. That there's so much more to come on this journey that we are journeying towards Pentecost Sunday where we see the, the Holy Spirit actually come and fill the room where the disciples were. But this is what we need to know, church, is that we don't have to wait for Pentecost Sunday. We don't have to wait for them because we have access to the Holy Spirit in our daily lives every single day. But you see, the Holy Spirit did come and it descended on that room. We pick up the story in Acts 2, how it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were, meet, believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the, houses, the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like tongue, like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Did we catch that promise? That the Holy Spirit came to each of them. That the Holy Spirit comes to each of us. That we have access every day to come as we are to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, to fill us and that we can go. To fill us so that we would know that He is fully present with us. To fill us to know that we have the power of His peace and to fill us to know that the promise that He spoke, that the Holy Spirit would come is something that we can hold on to. That this is a promise that He makes. That the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit has come. You see, the power of the resurrection gives us this promise. Again, this very same truth. The resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between the life you are living, the mundane, one riddled with doubt and fear and worry, that life, and the life you could live, the John 10, 10 life. And I'm not preaching this prosperity gospel where magically your life would turn around completely, but we know that the Holy Spirit comes. And because the Holy Spirit comes, that makes all the difference. Our situation doesn't change, but our perspective on it does. Our situation stays exactly the same, but God is eternal and God is good. And because of that, we can go, God, I know that you are working and I'm gonna trust you even here, even here. 
So we can trust that the power of the resurrection gives us his presence, that he is with us. We can trust that the power of the resurrection gives us his peace because it is for us. And we can trust again that the power of the resurrection gives us the promise that he will send us the Holy Spirit. But this morning, this morning, just like the disciples had a decision to make to fully embrace this God life, to actually turn around and go back to Jerusalem, we have an opportunity to come back, to come back to what God is calling to. You see, what happened on the cross happened 2,000 years ago, but it's also for us today. And because it's for us today, we have to choose to live in it today. And this morning, just in a moment of reflection, I want to invite you to put everything down. And just close your eyes. And just in this moment of reflection, I want you to ask yourself and ask God, what area of of my life do I need the power of the resurrection this week? God, what is it? What is it that I need? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Because I know that you're speaking. What are you saying to me? Maybe it's this, do you need to come to God and ask him to remind you that he's present with you right now? That he's present. Maybe you need to ask God that, that he reminds you of his peace. That right now in this moment, you tangibly feel peace come over your heart. For he's greater than our worried hearts. Or maybe in this moment, you need to ask God to remind you that of the promise that he sends the Holy Spirit to you. But not only that he promises to send the Holy Spirit, but the promises, the many, many promises that he has spoken over your life, you would see it come to pass. God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying, God? Thank you that you're at work. Father, for each and every single person that finds himself in this room this morning and, and in their homes or their office place or their car, wherever it is that we find ourselves this morning, I thank you that you are the God that is fully present. God, I pray for a tangible sense of your presence in each and every single one of our lives right now. God, I thank you that you offer us real peace, a peace that doesn't make sense to anyone else in the world, but it makes sense to me. God, I pray that we would feel your peace, that a sense of stillness would just flood our hearts now, that we would know, God, that you are in control. That Holy Spirit, that you have come pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you'd begin to fill each and every single one of us again. That there would be an opportunity now to experience the fullness of Pentecost, even right now in this moment, that we don't have to wait. That the power of the resurrection gives us the promise that you are with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. What are you saying to me, God? Where do I need you? Is it more of your presence? Is it more of your peace? Do I need to be reminded of your promises? And God, I thank you that it's not just a now moment, 
even though now is, is, is intimately beautiful, I thank you, God, that every single day we can come to you. That every single day the promise of the resurrection means that, that every single day we could experience the fullness of your Holy Spirit. That every single day, God, we would know the full extent of, the, of your presence that is with us, a peace that doesn't make sense, but God, that we would experience that peace. That as we journey towards Pentecost, God, that we would journey knowing that you are walking alongside us, just as you journeyed with your disciples. God, I thank you that you are with us here. God, I thank you that you are with us in this moment, that you are fully present, giving out peace, promising us the Holy Spirit. But maybe there's also some of us that are, that are in the room this morning and you've heard me speak about Jesus and this Jesus that came to earth again after his resurrection. But maybe you don't know that Jesus. Maybe this morning you walked in for the first time under an invite from someone else, or maybe you drove past and, and you decided to come check out what was happening. But also maybe you, you once knew God a long time ago, but if you're honest, life sort of has a way of happening and that isn't your reality anymore. This morning, the power of the resurrection gives us his presence. The power of the resurrection gives us his peace and it gives us his promise, but it also gives us relationship. That the power of the resurrection gives us an invitation this morning to come to know the real Jesus, the Jesus that we sing about, the God that loves us so much, the one that he would send his son to die on a cross so that we could be in a relationship with him, that God is inviting us into this moment now. And I wonder if that is you. You haven't had an opportunity to begin this relationship. Or like I said, maybe once a long time ago, you knew God and you were in a relationship with him. Maybe something's changed, but today is a new day a new opportunity to just come to Him. If that is you, I'm gonna count to three, and once I get to three, I wonder if you could just let me know by raising your hand in the air who I am praying for, because I wanna pray for you. And we don't do that for any other reason, but I just wanna know that I'm praying for someone this morning. You see, as I count to three, I, I really believe that God's gonna do something. I know He already has, I know that the invitation's already gone out, but I love that He asks us to respond. You see, one, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever, that whoever including you, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is an invitation from God this morning. Two, it doesn't matter what your life looks like. It doesn't matter what you're currently sitting in. You don't have to have it all together. Three, God is in this place and that invitation is you. If that is you this morning, I would be so honored and it would be my absolute privilege to pray for you if you could raise your hand all across this place. Amen. Amen. Today, it says in the Bible that today is the day of salvation. Amen. And I wonder if you would pray this prayer in your heart. And I wanna pray it with you and, and for you, but I wonder if you would make this your personal prayer this morning. Say these words in your heart, or if you feel comfortable saying it out loud, that's fine too. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you would send your son to the cross so that I could experience this moment right now. A moment knowing that I am loved so much by the God of the universe that over 2,000 years ago, God, you saw this moment now. You saw me now. God, I thank you that your word says 
that I am now in a relationship with you, that my future is heaven, that my sins are forgiven. Sins past or sins to come, God, I thank you that we have a relationship with you. God, I thank you for a church family that loves me and he's gonna walk a journey of discipleship with me. God, I thank you for this relationship now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, come on, there were so many that that responded to that and, and the Bible says that heaven celebrates. Church, can we be a celebrating church? Can we give God thanks for all that he's doing in the lives of many